so excited to be here. Um, this is our second live podcast for self-care in real life and our very first one here on Twitch. So hello to new things, hello to new venues and all that kind of good stuff. Um, I'm super excited to bring my Twitch family the wellness content that totally massages my soul. And I hope that it will do the same for you today. For those that don't know, I am DJ Ty Alexander. I am also a best-selling author. I am a wellness educator. I am a DJ. I'm a lot of things. And so Self-Care in Real Life is a wellness community and podcast that I started shortly after writing my first book, Things I Wish I Knew Before My Mom Died. After my book um, hit the Amazon bestsellers list, I started to see a lot of requests to create a group for grieving daughters. What I soon realized was that grief is somewhat universal and obviously impacts way more than daughters. And so I gave birth to self-care in real life in 2018. Fast forward to today and we have had two retreats in Mexico, five local events and a gang of podcast episodes. Once the Ponderosa is done playing outside, <laughs> I plan to bring more community events powered by self-care in real life to your city. So today's guest is just, I mean, child. <laughs> she is one of my favorite pe people. Her and I have FaceTimes that really fill my soul. The real DJ AK-47 is a Detroit-born, LA-based, open-format DJ. AK's musical influences derive from the 90s and have shaped her DJ style into an eclectic blend of an array of genres of music, energy, and storytelling is her focus when she plays, creating vibes that resonate with young and mature crowds. She specializes in vinyl mixing and her experience includes corporate events, nightclubs, bars, lounges, virtual services, the whole gambit. AK is a certified Scratch Academy Los Angeles graduate. I mean, we say you sis. And continues to pursue further, educa further education and endeavors in edits, remixes, and music production. AK believes that good music is indeed good music, no matter what genre. She weaves the pieces together to take you on a journey that creates memories and special moments in time. Please join me in welcoming my favorite person of all time for today. <laughs> Miss AK-47. Hello. What up, though? What's up? Hi, I mean, Sister Brian. I mean, hello, Sister Brian. I'm so excited to be on this thing, okay? Oh, my Come God. On. I'm so excited that you are my first guest. Um, it's really crazy to think that I kind of stalked you on the internet just a little bit. I don't, oh, even, know how, <laughs> I don't even know how I found you on Twitch. Um, Me I think either. I was just kind of like surfing the internet or whatever. And then I actually saw um, someone raid you is how I actually found, like I saw you and I was in there a few times, but then I think I was in Miss Her. I don't know whose room I was in. I was in somebody's room and somebody raided you. And I was like, oh, I like these vibes. And okay. she, got little, she got a little funny with her, you know, she <laughs> made me laugh a few times. The chat is like a little cut up situation. So I appreciate a big you. cut up situation. But listen, ma'am, I go in there for comic relief every time. Oh my God, they act <laughs> up. They act up. They be acting up. So as I stated, 
I met you on the internet, right? And so we've never met before, but I really do feel like you're my sister. And a part of that is because we are both grieving daughters and we share a commonality that I'm sure neither of us would like to share, but both of our mothers have passed. Yes. Um, tell me what your mother's name was. And let's start off by saying one of the most beautiful things about her. Uh, my mom's name is Karen Merchelle. And um, yeah, it's M-E-R, not Michelle, but Merchelle. I never oh, okay. understood that one. But I, I can mean, tell you this. So. <laughs> I can tell you this. When the Black Lives Matter stuff happened and the coin Karen phrase, I was sad. I was like, really, y'all gonna do my mama name like that? Y'all gonna <laughs> y'all gonna do y'all gonna do my mama name like that? But her nickname was KK, um, because those were her initials. And I think the most beautiful thing about my mom, I feel like my mom was really gorgeous, but it's not physical beauty. The most beautiful thing about my mom, I believe, is her brokenness was her brokenness because she tried to always put on a good face and I lived with her. So it was the moments where she was sad or something was going wrong where I could really see like, oh, she's just like actually really sweet. You know what I'm saying? So those are the moments that kind of made me have a, a soft spot for her. So I, I will say that. I don't, I don't want it to sound, you know, weird or like oh that's toxic but yeah like those moments are when I could really see her real personality because I feel like my mom or maybe a lot of moms I don't know if I really got a chance to experience her as Karen she was just my mom yeah so those moments would allow me to experience her as a full person a full a full human and a full woman so that was important. And at the time, even though I didn't know how important it was, it became important later on. So yes, that's it. Right, right. I think I think the word that we love, because you know, the internet makes things very trendy, but I think the word is kind of just being vulnerable. It's similar yeah. to, to, to your mom, KK. My mom's name was Denny. And what I loved the most about her was how vulnerable she could be in those times where we were taught to be quiet or silent or you know, just kind of hold yeah. all those emotions in. You know what I mean? Hold on. I feel like I'm getting a little feedback. Yeah, here. that's that's me. Okay. I, I tend to hold or stuff or press or whatever you want to call it, you know, full Nelson, whatever tactics to get it down. I definitely do hold things in. I do do that. I recognize that about myself. Not even so much like I can't communicate what I'm feeling, but I definitely, the sadness, the sad part of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do find, I do find that sometimes it's hard to just articulate what it's like for me to not have one of my anchors in my life. And I know for you, you've also lost your dad. What yeah. was what was your first year of grieving both of your parents' life? I know I can't remember anything my first year. I, I went to a Rihanna concert and everything else is black. What do you remember about that, that, that first year coming up out of that? I remember like being really shocked that this was actually happening to me. Like, this is like a real thing. Like in real life, your mom actually passed away. So that was 
that put me in kind of um, a state of just, I was numb. So for the first year, I probably drank a lot Mm. um, because I was only 25, 26 years old. So I went to the club a lot. Um, I smoked a lot of weed. I just worked a lot. And that's what I did. Like, it was just defense mechanism, I guess, to when I'm hurting, I kind of plow through all of that and just start doing other things. And I'm like, well, at some point I'll get back to that. Mm. So I kind of just plowed through that because I was like so shocked. Like everything had happened so fast. And I was just like, is this real? And the feeling that I try to explain to people whose mom or dad hasn't passed away, but specifically with the mom is it's like walking up to something and just unplugging it. That's the mm. best way that I can explain. Oh my God. What a beautiful analogy. That's it. That's it right there. That's the feeling like walking up to something and unplugging it. Like immediately when your mother portals, to the next phase in her life, which is not a physical being, you literally feel kind of like you're just, I felt instantly detached from something. Like I didn't really have a place, kind of like just how paper towel or leaves blow in the wind. That's how I felt. And I was not trying to deal with that. So I was just coasting through. Now my dad, My dad was a different scenario because it was a lot of factors there that even though me and my mom, we had our ups and downs, I lived inside of her body and lived with her most of my life. My dad, no. So when someone is virtually not a stranger, but there is a level of connection that you don't have with them, it was much easier for me to compartmentalize that and just pack that up. Like, I cried really hard and then I just put it away and I didn't even like dream about him as much. I wouldn't be like having these sporadic moments of getting sad with him as much. And also I think I had a little bit to do. I was mad at him. Mm. I was mad at him. So it just didn't allow for the same dynamic. But again, I didn't know him as, Ronald, the man, I knew him as my dad. And once I started figuring out, a lot of times when your parents die, people start telling you what it really is with your parents, stuff that you don't know, um, stuff that you've never heard. So I started to piece it together and like, man, listen, just like my parents didn't know what they were doing, their parents didn't know what they were doing and stuff be happening and life be life in. So It's been interesting. It's interesting for me to be alive and they're not alive. That is very Mm -hmm. interesting, interesting feeling. And sometimes nothing happens. And sometimes I'm like, I can't go on another day without having these people around. So it's strange for sure. I think you said it best about um, it's like having a, having a plug, your, your main plug rather snatched out from you. And yeah. now all of a sudden the power is out. Um, I love to ask people what their grief story is. And by grief story, I mean, you know, like how your mom died, how'd you, how'd you find out about it? Like the the intricate details of, of how our grief story began. So if you could just share a little bit about um, yeah. your mom died and how you found out and how you coped, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but I was moving into 
an apartment. And um, my mom had been saying she wasn't feeling well, right? She was like, oh, I'm not feeling well because my mom had kind of like a, she had an attitude kind of like mine, but just less, she wouldn't say certain things that she was thinking, but she would move in a specific way or act a certain way, but she wouldn't necessarily like, she would confront you, but I'm straight out the gate. Like you said, what now What's the problem? So it was like, she just, oh, I don't know. So the, the interaction between us and also carrying things and not understanding what I understand now about my mom, I was like mad, like you didn't do a good job. You know what I'm saying? So as soon as I get old enough to get old enough, I'm not really messing with you. <laughs> not old enough to get old enough, sis. <laughs> well, you know, in a black household, you don't speak out of turn. You don't talk in a certain way, right? So I'm like, when I get old enough to get old enough, I'm not messing with you like that. I'm going to mess with you how I want to mess with you. You're not going to bully me anymore because you've been nothing but a bully. So with my mom, and I carried a lot of guilt for this when she passed away if she would start tripping and get an attitude and talking to me any kind of way that made me feel like I felt when I was a little girl I would just cut her off and shut it down ah nah sis I'm not about to do this with you I'm gonna talk to you later because you're wilding and I'm not a child and I would just like hang up the phone or not see her so it was kind of a push and a pull you know what I'm saying I'm like I don't want to be my around my mom all the time. She just got an attitude all the time. She be nitpicking. Like I'll see her when I see her. So when she was saying she was sick, I was like, okay, you've been sick, but you've been saying that for a while. So that's weird. Like that's just a little thing in the back of your mind, but I just left it at that. So I was moving into this apartment and she was like, so adamant, no, we need to go to Crate and Barrel and we need to do this and do that. And I'm like, I can do it. We need to go to Target and this and that. I'm like, mom, I got it. I can do it. Don't worry about it. You're not feeling well. She was like, no, we need to go. So we're, we're going, doing all of this stuff a couple of days leading up to moving in an apartment. And the day that I went and picked her up, I noticed like she was kind of moving like funny. You know what I'm saying? Like she was moving kind of frail or delicate. And I was like, hmm, that's, that's weird. And she kept it pointing to stuff, pick this up or grab this or put this in a basket. And I was doing it. So, but I didn't really realize what was happening. So I moved in a move-in day. We were there all day. She seemed really tired though. And I was like, yo, what is going on? Like, are you okay? And I was trying to get her something to eat. She was like, I'm not hungry. So we are in the car driving. I'm driving her home. We're just on the freeway, you know, nighttime, casually driving. And she was like, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, okay. And she was like, I'm sick. And I said, yeah, I know that you're sick. Yeah, you told me that. She was like, no, I'm sick. I have cancer. That kind of sick. Oh. I was like, okay. Yeah, what do you do with that? Okay, so I'm just still driving. And then she's like, and it's stage four. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like you just said you have one thing and then now you're telling me it's stage four. So I immediately am panicking. I'm literally panicking like 40 seconds into this conversation. But I always, I was just taught to just keep a straight face, like stay chill, just keep driving. So she's like, yeah, I have breast cancer. 
And um, they said it's stage four. It's nothing else that they can do for me. And I'm like, yo. Wow. What is she saying right now? So all of this is coming at me at one time while I'm driving her home. So that was a doozy. Like I wanted to lose it right there in that vehicle, but I just stayed so stoic. I don't even know how I did that at that age. Um, how, how old were you when this happened? 25, 25, okay. 26. Yeah, I was. You know, it's great. I think that our bodies, our minds just go into a state of shock when trauma shows up. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's just like an, um, our, our brains just can't compute that type of trauma sometimes, you know? Brain could not compute. So I took her home. And I remember just breaking down crying. I cried the entire ride home. Oh. And I couldn't even make sense of it. It's like, that's so much information. You know what I'm saying? And then so much of your history with your parent flies into your mind. So many things. Like, I can't control this situation. There's nothing that I can do. It was just a mess. So once she told me that, I went to work the next day. I told the people at my job, listen, this is serious. This is what's going on with my mom. At any point in time, if I need to walk out of this door. I'm walking. And when I mean like everything could be going on. I'm out. I can't deal with that. So you got to figure that out because I need to be able to go. Absolutely. So um, I started... I packed my bags up. I went to her house and I just started staying with her there. But that was hard to do also because in my mind at the time, now I would have did this different had this happened now. At my In my mind at the time, I'm like, I need to be strong. I can't cry. I can't show any emotion because she's the one that's facing death. Like she's the one out of the two of us that have the bigger task at hand. So what do I look like? being in here crying when I'm not the one that's going to pass away. I just didn't feel like I had the right to do that. Mm -hmm. Then I didn't want to make her feel worse because I'm her child. She's probably so scared. I was just trying to figure out how to mother her at that point. And I was like, I don't, there's no space for me to do any of this because she's more important. So that was crazy to be in front of that lady all them hours of the day trying to make it seem like none of this was hurting my feelings to just see her so small and frail because my mom was like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I remember her kind of spunky, kind of feisty. So to see her like that and so delicate, it was so strange. Then you start like noticing things all over your mother's body. Oh, our hands are exactly the same. Look at this third eyelash on the right eye yep same like you start doing all of that it's just a lot like it was heavy it was heavy and you know that little bit of time was just a little bit of time she died in six weeks after she told me i was was just about to ask how long did it take yeah um, she died in six weeks so it was like at home, trying to help her, you know, get into the shower, like all of that type of stuff, sitting her in the shower in this seat. Like I cried so much at night. She would be crying because she was in pain. I would be crying in the other room like, what is happening, bruh? What is happening? So it was just rough. I told her I was going to take her to Puerto Rico when she got well. And 
it was just a mess, yo. Like, yeah. devastation, bruh. Devastation. That lady really, I was like, this is, this is happening? Like, this is happening? So then at some point, they tried to remove her breast at the last minute. It was already eating away. Yeah. It was doing, it was a wrap. Spread into the liver, the lungs. You know it's a wrap when it does that. Fluid is building up. She doesn't want to be in hospice. There's not even any time for that. We got to go to the hospital. In the mm -hmm. midst of that, we had a conversation and she just said, I'm ready. All of the things that I did wrong, I apologize for that. It wasn't uh -huh. my intent. I love you. I'm sorry. If I had a chance to do it over again, I would do a lot of things different. And I was like, oh, that's it for me. That's all I needed to hear. You know what I'm saying? Like none of the other stuff matters. matters. It just doesn't matter. Like it just totally doesn't matter. So she went to the hospital shortly after that. And the night before she passed away, I was there with her, with my stepdad and she just said, I am very tired. That's what she said. And I was like, okay, well, I can figure out what that means. And I just told her, I understand. I'm going to be okay. I totally understand. You have to take care of yourself. And if you're tired, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I went home and she was out of there the next day. I guess she needed to say that and hear me say yeah. that. And that was it, boo. And yeah. it was a world of debauchery. And <laughs> it was a world of like doing a whole lot of sporadic stuff that just didn't make sense. You know, not physically self-harming, but like a lot of self-sabotaging. It was yeah. a mess. Because you're like I said, your your brain just does not know how and I think this is at any age, you know, I think at any age when trauma happens so quickly and so fast, I don't think that our brains can really compute. And I, I remember no. being in, in being in your one of your streams, uh, you know, earlier in the year, and I think that's why I connected so much to you because I remember you talking, sharing a little bit of the story, um, and I remember thinking she knows exactly how I feel. My mom also, while I had more time with my mom, I had about eight months. Uh, my mom also was feeling sick, you know, tired all the time, not eating. And so we go to the doctor and at first it's diabetes and then it turns into cancer, but it's quickly stage four. Um, and then this was like in August by December, she's got a huge lump on her face. Like it just, it's so many oh things my God. happened so quickly. I began. What was the lump from? A tumor that had oh, okay. emerged from behind her eye, like the the cancer was literally just like taking over her body. Like Did every, she lose sight. So at in some one, point, yeah, in one eye she lost sight. Um, but by then, similar to KK, Denny was tired, you know, yeah. and, and um, and so. What I am grateful for about my grief story is, is that I did have time with my mom to unpack a lot of things. We had a grief counselor, which is why I do a lot of the work now. I had a grief counselor that really helped me understand what hospice was and unpack a lot of things. But as you said, it's really that, that unplugging of the cord that is something that is so connected to you. Like me and my mom, were like the same person. And so to have that unplugged and now you're supposed to navigate without this person and what do I do? And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's just, it's just not, 
you know, it, 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 and I think it's also unfortunate because we have been duped. I know you read my book. I sent it to you, read it in a few days. Oh my God. Amazing. I read that thing <laughs> in hours, in hours. My favorite quote, I boast my own self because we have been duped into believing that death is not inevitable for us all. Every single person in this stream on this earth will die of something, for something, natural, cancer, however you go out is, is irrelevant, but we're going to die. And so a lot of my work now is leading with gratitude because that is how I'm able to console the love that's lost. But you don't have love without grief. Like it's no possible way, no mm -hmm. possible way. You know what I mean? And I think if we were equipped better with the idea that mortality is inevitable for all of us, that yeah. that punch, that that unplug, you know what I mean, wouldn't be so hard, wouldn't be so, you know, shocking to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Facts. I felt super startled by all of it. You know, I just wasn't. I just wasn't ready. Like as you're growing, it it's hard to not take breathing, blinking, waking up for granted mm -hmm. because it just keeps happening. So you just don't think like at this age, I'm going to lose my parent. And then at this age, I'm going to lose my other parent. You're just that your mind is not there. It feels like you have so much time to work on this or do that or this or this and that. And it was jarring. You know what I'm saying? Because at the time when my mom passed away, we weren't super like into mental health and talking about depression and this, that, and the third. It was just like, all right, don't spend too much time dwelling on that. You got other stuff to do. So it wasn't very, it was just a different time. You know what I'm saying? So to have that abruptly be placed into your lap and then you'd be like, well, damn, you know, no time, no time for her to see things come around, you know what I'm saying? To see how I grew and that I actually really am okay. Like I turned out okay. Like and everything for, for is me, okay. That is my, that is, has been my hardest part of this journey, right? Is grasping the idea that I am okay. You know, I think society teaches us that grieving has to be sad and sorrow all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned in this grieving journey was that my joys and my sorrows run parallel and they run consecutively, consistently. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I have to forgive myself a lot for having the time of my life without my mom. Girl. Like. Because <laughs> at one point you're like, I don't even, there's no going to be no more times in the life. My life is over. I'm just waiting to die any second now here because how will I go on? But yeah, it gets to be a very, it tugs at you, you know, especially yeah. when you, you know, the dreams slow down. When I first, when my mom first passed away, I was dreaming about her all the time. She would come oh, see me listen. all the time, but then it would like rip my heart out of my chest because it was seen so real. It, it, I am convinced that my dreams with my mom are real. I don't, can't nobody tell me different. And it, like sometimes I'll even try to go back to sleep so I can enter that world again, just to yeah. be with her a little longer. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because it does feel so real. I, I have come to terms with 
the fact that she doesn't come as often. I think she comes like when I need her or when I'm in a space of not clear or, you know, where I'm trying to find clarity or, or connection with the universe, you know what I mean? Um, so I have yes. kind of resolved that, but it, like you said, it's a very jarring experience. And it gets weird. Like, you know, the more time that passes, I remember my mama's voice, but. Oh girl, please don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, stop, think about it. <laughs> we'll handle it. So the number one tip that I tell people, and I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell all the people here in this chat, record your loved ones. Even if they say, I don't wanna be on camera, I don't want pictures, for selfish reasons. Record yeah. your loved ones, record them saying things, record, save all the voice messages, all of that. Because as AK was about to say, I cannot for the life of me remember her voice. And it drives me insane. Well, you know what is double-edged sword for me? Because <laughs> I remember her voice, but I remember how her voice sounded more when she got sick. I can hear that voice more clear. The morphine and the this and the exhaustion. And sometimes she would be a little foggy. And I do have recordings of like two voicemails that she left me, but she was sick. And I can hear that voice. Mm. I can hear that voice. And it was strange for me because it wasn't as crisp and sharp. It was kind of slow. And but I can make out what she was saying. You're my baby. You're always going to be my baby. And ciao. Woo. It's rough, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it but I, I I hope that those keepsakes comfort you a little bit. Yes. Now they do. Before okay. it was like, I cannot deal with this. I can't deal with anything. I just couldn't deal with anything because I wasn't going to therapy just yet. I didn't go to therapy right away. I did eventually get into therapy, but I didn't go right away. I was just like... No one understands. And the other thing that pisses you off when your parent dies or anybody dies as close to you is how fast life keeps rolling after that funeral or that service is over and those casseroles stop showing up and the calls the stop coming. Stop, the calls stop. I'm like looking at people mom. like on Facebook. How dare you have a birthday? How dare you, you have life without me? <laughs> how dare you celebrate? somebody's baby being born. Do you know my mama died eight months you ago? My mama died. <laughs> I mean, it's so many things. It's so many pieces of it. It's no one, even the stages of grief cannot prepare you for all of the ups and downs, the thoughts, the things. It's just so many things. And it's so interesting. Like I thought that my mom were, my, my mom and myself were so opposite of each other. Child, I am that lady. I, I look a, look a little different. I'm a little lighter, but I'm I'm definitely her child for sure. One thousand percent. One, I'm that lady. That's I'm put that on a t-shirt. I am you that lady. Spell that, Ty. I'm that lady. <laughs> I am Please. that lady. It's crazy that you bring up the stages of grief because what I what I've learned in doing some research about grief is that 
the, the stages of grief that we know are actually for people who are dying. It's not for the people who are coping. So what? there's lots of exact, listen, mind blown, right, sis? <laughs> the day years old. Listen, mind blown. So in my second book, are I'm actually- serious? I'm absolutely serious. So in my second book, I'm actually retracting some things that I said about the stages of grief because what we've learned is that she and the doctor who researched this and came up with this method intended it to be for people who were dying, for people who were in hospice preparing for death. It was not for and us. It, and now it makes more sense it's than it did. Ma'am, hello. <laughs> I'll be damn. It is wow. not for us. So don't feel bad about not following any of those stages because they're not for us. Because I'm like, I, I, I can't even grieve right. That's I, I, done, I done went past denial acceptance four or five tr trillion times. What? I'm like, it's not, it's not sticking for me. Like exactly, exactly. Okay, that makes more. That the makes stages more sense. of grief were for KK and Denny. They were not for us. That makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. A lot more where, <laughs> lucrative says, where are our steps? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Please. So I, in, in my next book, I am working on some steps that I hope will help define and identify what it's like to grieve as a young person, as a person who is, you know, faced with hospice or, you know, uh, yeah, it's sudden deaths, all that kind of good stuff. So stay tuned. Um, I want to pivot a little bit because you you jarred a question in my head about milestones. And I remember um, getting married without my mom. I, I've done so much without her. How how have you been able? I know, you know, you've been a DJ for five years. How have you been able to kind of move past those moments where you want to call your mom? I had a moment today when I tell you I was bubble stop crying, AK, like bubble snot crying. Actually, I've been DJing seven and a half years, almost eight times. Okay, I'm sorry, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. I spent years because I need my whole ten to add up when they say all, it's gonna start popping for the girl. You feel me? I need all the ten years. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't have an a, a action plan to deal with it. I just deal with it as the things come up. Sometimes I'm able to cope really well, and I'm like, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? And I still feel like I'm doing good, and she's here with me. Other moments, I'm like, F this. I'm pissed that she's not here. This is some BS. It's whack. And, I, and I'm, I'm mad and sad. I'm sad mad. So it just depends. You know, I've had a bunch of moments this year where I've been sad mad that I've done stuff because I, I feel like my mom was really worried about me because I have the type of personality. It's, she is... Let me go to school. Let me get a great job. Let me work this job. I'll retire. You know, I'll buy my little cardigans and my capris and put on my handmade loafers and let me put my little scarf around my neck. Ma'am, you know, I ain't that. So it's always, I feel like my mom was the last generation of those people that retire and get a gold watch and all of that. <laughs> I like that anymore for us. But I feel like that was a start of entrepreneurship when I was actually like coming of age and, you know, getting out of college and doing all of that stuff. It was so new. You know, people were starving. You know, it wasn't you weren't seeing all of this stuff on the Internet, how somebody started sewing, you know, dog scarves, you know, what I mean? unity scarves and, you know, blew up and on TikTok. And now they got 
a mansion and a Bugatti. It wasn't that. So my yeah. mom was like, girl, if you don't take your ass you to don't take your butt and get a job. And get a job. <laughs> plan me so much. You want to be somebody's stylist and you about to be a comedian. Girl, you too flighty, girl. I'm scared. <laughs> you cannot stay focused. What is going on, baby? So I think that, you know, that whole dynamic just frightened the hell out of her. And from a very early age, you could already tell, I mean, for God's sake, she named me after an album. You know, when you name your children, names hold a lot of weight. I know people sometimes are not thinking about that, but they carry a lot of weight. You know, we come into this world with certain things that we just already have. But I don't, my mom wasn't in that generation where you're like, oh, my baby is one. You like to play the piano. We're going to hone in on this. It wasn't like that. She would want me to bet on the sure thing. And I was always like, no, I'm going to take the risk because I think I can do it. So that was the push in the pool. So it would just be kind of amazing for her to actually see that even though I'm not familiar with her style of doing things and it made me a little nervous because I just want her to be okay. She's not as crazy as I thought she was. She actually was listening to a lot of the things that I said unbeknownst to me. So that would just be nice to be able to show her that it would be nice to be able to go take her to Neiman's, her little favorite store and cash out on her and just say, get whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff. It would be nice to do that for her. It would be yeah. amazing to do that for her, but it's just not the case. You know, it'd be amazing to do it for my dad, you know, even though he worked my nerve and a little bit of a different dynamic, but yeah, you don't you don't really think about that type of stuff until you get the age around there to do it. Like you said, you got married. That's a big deal. Of course, you want your mom there. You know what I'm saying? Like some of this stuff is kind of weird. Like, wow, I'm really going at this alone. And that's why I said Twitch was such a big part of my life, because some of the things that people have said to me on Twitch have been so nice. It feels like a family vibe receiving it and not all the time when I get compliments do I get that feeling like yeah. you get that feeling from your mama you know you get she'll give you a look like you did that and you look at your mom like you saw me mama I did that like <laughs> it's just you don't even have to say anything you know I used to be upset and my mom would be like what's wrong with you as soon as I walk through the door you know she go in the kitchen and make me a fried turkey bologna sandwich sit down tell me what happened like the Not the fried thing. turkey baloney. She don't even eat turkey no more. She would be like, Lord, my child. Like, it would just be so funny to try to explain being vegan to her, get her to eat this food. Like, all of the little things that I just don't have an opportunity to do is just sometimes can, it bothers me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't like to complain to people about my stuff. Because I don't know, somewhere along the way, I felt like people really don't care, you know? So if someone asks you how you're doing, just say okay and keep it moving unless they're really your folks. Yeah. Other than and that. So that's why I, that's really one of the main reasons why I created self-care in real life because of that comment right there. I don't want people, especially people who look like me, to feel like they are a burden on their friends and family. And so our community is built for the burden of that. Like you come yeah. to us to be like, when I ask you, how are you okay? Girl, tell me the right story. 
I right, but you know, we just had like I know you can tell though. I go off of vibes, you know what I'm saying? So I feel comfortable with you. Just like you asked me the other day, how are you? And I didn't say, Oh, I'm fine. I was like, oh, you know, meh, but not you, you know, <laughs> meh enough to go shoot up the ATM. <laughs> but I'm okay, but you know, so I can segue into that. It just has to be the the right setup. I feel, you yeah. know, but this whole thing has really what I didn't anticipate with my mom dying is that I was going to get things that benefited me out of it. Ooh. I didn't see any of that coming. I was just like, I'm at a loss, deficit, loss, gone, suffer. Yeah. I didn't know that there were going to be things that I received from yes. it, good things that I received yes. from it. So I'm grateful for that. I, I always tell people that when my mom went to heaven, she had a meeting with God and said, hey, look, I got two children down there. And I'm going to need you to load them up with some blessings. <laughs> AK, for real talk, I, the blessings have not stopped since she's been up top. And I am grateful for that. And it is a, it's bittersweet to say. Is that, that another third? The blessings have not stopped since she's been up top. I mean, you just got somebody keeping track of these shirt, two shirts for that we got to make. Not <laughs> the trunk on the shirts, girl. Um. But yeah, like the, the blessings just have not stopped. And I, I have become, and as bittersweet as it is to say, I have become a better person, a better woman because my For mom sure. is not here. And like sure. it is it is so hard to grasp at, with as much pain as I've felt, with as much sorrow as I know we both feel. It is hard to understand how great of human beings we have become because of this loss. I wouldn't have had it together. I was a whole asshole. I would not have had it together. Not as fast as I got it together. Because you got, because it's almost like you gotta, you, it's like all the pieces that you're scrambling to put together, you're lollygagging because you know you got a support system. You got this on the back. As soon as the plug is, is out, you're like, oh shit, I got to put all this shit together because there's nobody else here but me. Yeah. And the self-sabotage started laying me out. I was like, Ooh, I'm tired of this. You are literally just pooping on all of this good stuff. You're tearing up friendships. You're tearing up relationships. Like you are like, I was getting fired from hella good jobs. People would be like, you got fired from that job? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. And then they're like, and you don't care? No. No, I don't. Like, no. It was crazy. Like it was insane. So all of those crazy, insane things that were already a part of my personality before my mom died. Without her, I don't want to say that she was hindering me, but I just didn't have it mastered that when you start to work on yourself, I like to have something be immediate. That's just my personality. I move fast. I want what I want now. And when I'm trying to do something and I fall short that either I don't want to do it no more. This is how I used to be when I was a youngster, just being totally transparent. I can't grasp it fast. I don't want to do it no more. Or if I'm like, I'm going to stop doing this bad habit. And then I do it again. Then I'm in my head. Like, see, you wasn't strong enough to do all of this adolescent, young adult thoughts. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't until my mom died that I started to realize, like, listen, certain things of your personality, even though they're not the best parts of yourself, they're always going to be with you. It's a continual. It's not a sprint. You'll be working on this stuff 
continually. But even when you fall short, you will get better and better. There will be more times than not that you don't have to go back and apologize that you can think beforehand and make the right pivot so that you don't have to apologize. Like all of these things are going to be a part of who you are as you just get older. And so I'm so grateful and thankful for that, for just being able to reflect on myself, look at all of the ugly parts and say, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Now, how can I mother this girl that's inside of me and like work through all of this stuff? And I wouldn't have known how to do that if my mom was still here because I would have just been too busy trying to get her told and I'm grown and let me show you that I'm grown and let me pretend I'm grown because I'm grown and it's what grown folks did. Like, girl, <laughs> I have several speeds, sis. Start from the inside out. Girl. I all those outfits, girl. You still, ah, boo. So that made me start looking inward. And when mom was here, she wasn't inward. It was just, I was just buying clothes and bags and talking shit with nothing going on and being weird. So yeah. I, I, I definitely did not want my mother to pass away. But when that happened, I, I literally have turned into my best self. And I still have so much more to see and do, God willing. And I will be even a better version of myself. And yeah. If yeah. she's anywhere around, she is probably gagging like, okay, you did that. You better go with your little crazy self. You made it, girl. I was going to say, what What do you think your, what do you, what do we think our moms would say to us about our journeys now? My mom would be so tickled by this whole DJ thing. Like she would be like, oh my God, you really, you're really you're really good at this. Like she would just be so ecstatic. She loved music. We went to all types of concerts together. You know what I'm saying? I went to my first concert in Detroit, outside downtown. We went to see Al Jarreau. You know, it was a nighttime concert. So those are the type of things that we used to do together. She would just be so ecstatic. Like, girl, you are really killing it. And low key, my mom wasn't like the braggy type, but if I was doing this, she would definitely be letting people know. <laughs> My daughter's a DJ because I just know her. You know what I'm saying? So she would be really ecstatic about this, really on my head. Like, where's your husband? Where's your <laughs> Where's your husband, ma'am? What are you doing? Can we get that rolling? And yeah, she would just be so excited. So excited about all of this stuff. Like, really, 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 really happy. Like, she would be so happy. What about you? What about your mama, I girl? I like to believe, I was going to say, I like to believe that our moms, all of my friends' moms who are up top are sitting up there cackling and having a good old party talking about how successful their daughters are and how proud of them they are. And also yes. I sent down some blessings to them. I hope she got it. Definitely. <laughs> again, I am a, yes, baby looking out. My baby down there doing it all and, 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 all of the good things and, and all that good stuff. I want to pivot um, and talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness for me is uh, a, a big trigger word, but it's something that I practice a lot. Can you tell me a time where um, you had to forgive yourself, whether it's uh, in the experience with your mom or even with your dad? Yeah, I, d I did because I thought the day that my mom passed away, I wasn't there with her when she passed away. I was at home. I was off work, 
but I wasn't there when she took her last breath. And I beat myself up about that mm -hmm. for years. This is, this is why we're sisters. This is exactly why our energies align. Like, I feel like I've known you for all of my life. And it's because when you say things like that, I, like my forgiveness started there because again, I was, I was chilling at a brunch while my mom was dying. Just like, whatever, she gonna, she gonna wait till I get there. And mm -hmm. I myself up for that. Yeah, I have guilt about that. You know what I'm saying? That I wasn't there. And then it happened to me again with my dad, oh. you know? Oh my goodness. With his whole thing, because, which was weird. Like his whole, in a quick little bite, his whole situation. I knew that my dad had cancer, but he was supposedly in remission. Come to find out he was never in remission. Um, two years later, he got really sick again. Didn't say anything, never mentioned anything. And um, a lot of the people that are here in the chat know this story, but I, um, I had to go to work. You know what I'm saying? And you know how that is when you've signed something and you're supposed to be somewhere. It's not, not that people don't care, but it's like, we're doing something here. And you said, it's like the day of, you know what I'm saying? He passed away and I was planning on getting back to Detroit that next week and I didn't make it. So it's just, I just was like carrying that with me. Like, how could you just be at home dilly dally? And I wasn't doing anything. I was just being at home, moving slow. How could you be at home moving slow? Or how could you go to work and DJ? Like you dropped the ball. You messed that one up. Like that wasn't what a good daughter would do. But I, I soon realized for my poor little tender heart, I wasn't supposed to be there when either one of them took their last breath because that would have been too much for the girl. So God lined it up. This is me saying amen. I <laughs> lined me up and said, I know what you can handle and what you can't. Listen. I don't want you holding on to this because this is deep. Death is not always like you hear some music and they close their eyes. It could be sounds associated with it, smells associated with it. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen when it's real. So yeah, I wasn't supposed to be there. And now I know that. So I'm not carrying that around with me. It's okay. I wasn't there because I wasn't supposed to be there. And that's the end of that. Yeah, I, I, I'm silent because I am literally in awe in how aligned our stories are. Like it's it's on. When I was reading that book, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" Like I cannot believe it. It was yeah, crazy. It's it's actually freaky how aligned our stories are because again, I actually opted not to see my mom, and while it was a very intentional decision. After the fact, I felt all types of guilt. Like I should have been there. I should have held her hand. But again, in hindsight, I knew that my last vision of her could not have been that. My grieving journey would have been completely different had I had actually witnessed her last breath. Like I, I would not have been able to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's just, it's just again, it's completely insane how aligned our our journeys are i mean i saw her after she passed because i got there and she was already passed and they let me come into the room and everything well, girl, I, sat, I sat on the steps i said y'all gotta get this lady body out the, out the living room i can't go in there 
I and you know what? It. I couldn't do it. That was strange too, because like I said, it's not always pretty. So her eyes were slightly open and her mouth was slightly open. So I closed her eyes and I closed her mouth and gave her a kiss. But the number one thing that I noticed is how much we looked alike mm. with her laying there. So that was like crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I thought that that was going to stay in my mind, but I don't really even think about it unless I'm talking about it. But okay. yeah, it was an interesting it was an interesting thing to see that, you know what I'm saying? To see someone be alive and then they're just gone. You know, when the spirit and the soul leaves, it's very, very strange. It's very strange. That's one of the reasons why I don't want to be buried because I don't want people standing over my body, like re-triggering themselves mm -hmm. and doing all of that. I would rather just have a party, have some pictures, you know, let it be a little bit more upbeat because it's a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot when you are not mentally equipped to deal with it. Like you said, we've all been duped and I just wasn't mentally. Yeah. Equipped. None of us, none of us are. No. And, uh, my son is actually in the chat today and we talk about death and just, you know, about his grandma a lot and just tr trying to prepare him as best I can. Cause I'm not always going to be here. You know what I mean? There's going to be a time yeah. where I'm going to go and I want my son to be as equipped with what life, what his life will feel like after death of me as, as much as possible. Um, my son's name is Charlie Actual on here. God forbid, God is going to forbid I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, sir. The son said, take me also with her because I cannot deal. But I think again, um, and I want to segue kind of into like just how you've been able to practice gratitude. For me, that has been my greatest joy is figuring out those tiny joys that I've been able to create within my life that helped me kind of see the bigger picture, which is that I'm here to live until I die. How mm -hmm. have you been able to create those tiny joys outside of the norm, you know, like music and stuff? Therapy. Hello? <laughs> my job, <laughs> therapy. <laughs> therapy, um, you know, like the more work I do on myself. And it's interesting because the more work you do on yourself, the more isolated you are. Ooh, say it again. That, that's a quote. Now let that one sink in because it's a real thing. It's a, and you gotta, the, the crazy part, the more work that you do on yourself requires you to sit inside of your own mind. And you mm -hmm. gotta be okay with whatever thought comes out. And when I was a hot mess, I had a ton of friends. I know a lot of people. But the more work you do on yourself, you start to change and you become a little bit more far removed from your usual moves, habits, conversations. So that means some of those old people, although you love them, they're not somebody that's in your day to day. So the therapy has just helped me really figure out why I'm here and be clear on that. Really figure out ways to love myself. Really figure out how to forgive myself for some of the mistakes that I made in my lifetime and really forgive myself and move on and not beat myself up or 
carry any of that stuff and take it out on other people and, you know, just work through my stuff and recognize when the stuff is coming up. So that has really given me the most joy. I mean, and on like a more just fun note, I really love to travel. So the whole Weird Al Yankovic of it all that we're in is really cramping my style because I really <laughs> Weird Al, this this Ponderosa is not working out for me. It's like my therapy needs <laughs> dead over it, like dead over it. But yeah, I really like to travel. I'm a girl that likes to get up, go see. You know what I mean? Like, do I think that comes from my mom too? Because the first time I got on an airplane, I was five and just was like so fascinated with going from one place to another. And I travel a lot when things are not so crazy. So that I definitely miss. But yeah, that's what I like to do. I mean, I actually could just stay home and just cook food and, you know, look up information about gardens and plants and that kind of stuff and watch stupid stuff on YouTube. It's not like the phase of um, things that I used to do to make me happy. I would buy a lot of stuff, shop a lot. All of that stuff is not, I'm not that same way. Like I do like nice stuff like everyone else, but I'm like, whatever. I can wear these same 20 things over and over again and just give me a good bag or shoe every now and again. I just I don't care about any of that stuff. Like I want to look at home decor. You know, you know how that is when you start to get older. You just want to do other stuff. So I'm just happy that I'm healthy. I'm happy that I am doing something that I love to do. That's giving me so much joy, even with all the L's, the ups and downs of that. Because watching my mother kind of be a slave to her career and it's not her own. That's it. Oh, ma'am. She was not happy. And she mm -hmm. was not the type of person that needed to be in that type of environment. But it was just the fear, you know what I'm saying? Like of stepping out on a limb. So all of those things, all of the things that move me towards my purpose bring me joy, even when it's not going exactly how I pictured or something bad mm -hmm. happens. All of it is for a reason, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just happy to be alive to experience it, whatever Listen. it is. Whatever it is. Listen, sis. What has been um your proudest achievement thus far? Um, I don't know. I don't think I have um done a proudest achievement. Like it's like levels, you know, to stuff as far as career-wise or whatever, but I don't know what my proudest achievement has been besides for me, and this might sound a little corny, but figuring out how to be a better friend, Listen, how to be a, a better family member. <laughs> not, not taps on mic, not corny at all. I think bettering ourselves. I had to work on that. I was like a yeah. friend, you know, very just about myself. And if it didn't work for me, then it wasn't working, you know? So I've really been working on all of that stuff. Like, Ciao. She had a lot of work to do. Still got work to do, but I'm doing well. Like I'm at a place that I didn't think that I would ever be able to even reach. So I'm just so happy with that. You know what I'm saying? I'm so happy with this. So that's what makes it so funny. It's like people used to bang with like three, four or five years ago, even eight months ago. If you don't know me right now, then you don't know me. 
Point blank period. Put that on a t-shirt. Who is keeping tally of these t-shirt quotes? <laughs> RDS. <laughs> She's keeping tally. <laughs> so I'm going to open up the floor to questions. If you have any questions for AK or myself, please put them in the chat. Um, I'm going to ask you a few kind of, you know, quirky, you know, release the mood kind of questions. I know we've been okay. talking about really okay, okay. for a while. So I'm going to ask you some really, you know, you know, really cute questions. So if my space were still a thing, oh. <laughs> what would your profile song be? Oh, my gosh. You know what? If I had a MySpace right now, it would be Asia by Steely Dan, because I feel like that would just be a vibe. Like, welcome to Asia's page with a little bit of Asia. You know, I didn't got real themey since I became a DJ. Like, everything has to, like, relate. The song has to relate to the vibe and the mood. So, yeah, it would be Asia, Steely Dan. That I love it. I love it. What is your go-to? Oh, sorry. I gotta get out of here. What is your go-to karaoke song? I don't do karaoke. What? I'm not a karaoke girl. I don't like to play games. Listen, I don't like to camp. This I, I don't play games. events. Okay. I just I don't, don't play parasail, games. parachute, rock climb. No karaoke. I am so like. It's so strange. Like, I would go with my friends to karaoke, but I wouldn't sing. Ma'am, what kind of part? I'm. I. This is me calling on your friends in the chat. Lucrative. Oh, you're not gonna make them take me to karaoke, are you? Don't do that to me. Take this girl out to karaoke. Matter of fact, when I come to LA, we're, we're going, going to karaoke. We're oh, going to one of them Korean rooms. Are you? No, they have a. They got a black karaoke out. Oh, there there's a black one. Okay. And it that's goes, people be singing. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Karaoke, no We're taking you to karaoke. My my favorite karaoke song to sing, even though you know and the chat knows, I have no singing chops. Is really, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't got not near key or notes. <laughs> it's giving tone deaf, sis. It's, it's, giving, <laughs> it's giving no ma'am. <laughs> It's giving please stop tie. Oh my god. <laughs> but my favorite karaoke song is Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Of Girl, all as songs. soon as you said Whitney. Listen, all the notes of all the people you could pick would not of a all thought, the ranges. Would not a thought to support. You gonna say, come out your face and say the Whitney? Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Not a nair vocal ability is in me, but I'm gonna sing it with me, and we are gonna sing it together. You watch. Not watch. with. I'm coming for you. Not with. With. What are your three favorite songs for feeling like that bitch? Like you hear the song, you be like, "Shit." Hmm. I have a good one. Okay, so Kamaya still am because she just pops. So much in that song. Yes, yes. Um, what other song? It would have to be a Young Jeezy song, but I'm trying to figure out which one. I mean, I feel like it could be any Young Jeezy at this point. Yeah, any, any, any Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy makes me want to turn up. 
And um, hmm, why am I feeling? Why why am I hearing throw that ass in a circle in my mind? <laughs> So that's in a circle. Yeah. And is there an expiration date on Ratchet Bops? Because it's like, am I out of the age range? Like, I'll be feeling like. So, sis, technically, in the society's world, we are above the age range. But we are also of the, the idea that who gives a shit? Facts, because I don't. So, we're going to be Ratchet and Bop it. For however long we so shall please. So if you I don't want know to, about you. When I was younger, I was like, yes, by the time I'm 43, I'm going to be very girl, so executive neck. Nope. I'm going to be super executive neck. And then I got here and I'm like, we're not executive neck. Why didn't kick in? <laughs> what happened? Am I supposed to stop doing stuff? Because I'm like, I still like to do stuff. Like, I guess it's the, the new 40s, huh? The new version of the 40s. Yes. Okay. So last question before we get out of here. I think we only had one question from, hold on, from Demera. As a child of breast cancer mother, as a child of a breast cancer mother, how have you put your health first? Oh, I became vegan. That's how I put my health first and organic, non-GMO vegan. Um, I do like all holistic stuff now. So that's been kind of dope. That's been kind of amazing. And just as far as breast health, you know, I do self exams all the time. I haven't gotten a mammogram, even though I'm of age, but that's for personal reasons. That mammogram, that thing. Yeah, it's a doozy. Yeah, I've done a little research on them. And so I just opted to not do that. That's why I do self-checks so often to combat that. So I'm not that girl that's just like, if you're science, I'm just going to hang out. Like I always try to find an alternative. You know what I'm saying? Like I definitely try to find out an alternative, but so far so good. Like, and also I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't necessarily believe that cancer runs in the family and like all of this stuff runs in the family. I feel like it has a lot to do with your environment, your intake, your food, you know what I'm saying? The air, a lot of things, external things. So I just try to make sure I do my best about those things. And I'm not thinking cancer runs in my family. I don't even think about that. I'm not getting cancer. That's not going to be my story. And that's it. And definitely though, if I did feel anything or come across anything, I would definitely go to the doctor and see what they had to say about that. So I'm not like one of those that's just in the forest with a bottle of green alcohol. Like you got a ginger ale and two crackers that should do it. So not, not in the forest though. Miss RDS asked us both, what were the triggery things you absolutely couldn't do at first after your mom passed? Um, She wrote a lot. She wrote in journal. She has journal on top of journal on top of journal. My mom was an avid writer. I think that's why I can write so well. And so I have all of the journals because she had a storage full of stuff. And I wanted to read them and I just could not, I have not read, I probably read two pages of those journals. I still haven't went through them. Like even the thought of that now is triggery for me, like to read her real thoughts about stuff, about me, about whatever. I'm like, I haven't made it there yet. Cause this lady has like, extensive journals with like pictures and 
stuff. Like, so I'm just not, I'm just not ready to do that just yet. I'm trying to get there, but yeah, definitely that's kind of triggery for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was going to funerals. I left my mom's funeral saying, I don't want to do this no more for nobody else. And while that very unrealistic thought, just because of how deep funerals run in black communities, like that's- Did you miss any funerals after you said that? Was there anyone that passed away and you said, no, absolutely not? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. There's been- there's been several while it's just like, I don't need to be there. I just, I'm not going to be able to support you in that way because funerals trigger, to this day, funerals, the idea of someone's body sitting up there in front of me, like my my yeah. husband's, my husband's grandmother just passed recently and I did go with him to that because his grandmother was, you know, like his matriarch of their family. And so it meant a lot for me to be there, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So I couldn't really get out of it. But I remember walking up to the casket and my whole body, like, I just shut down. And I just, I grabbed the first seat. I'm, we were maybe like six or seven pews from the front. And I remember just sitting down. He's like, come on. I was like, I can't, I, you got to go there by yourself, sir. I'm not going to, I'm here. Take that as the blessing and go on about your business, sir. <laughs> because I was like, I, yeah. I, I just, something about, going to funerals just don't like how we grieve how we mourn the death and the physical existence is so very toxic in my opinion and for for me it like i just the idea of having someone's body sitting there in the casket then having parents or daughters or you know children hugging the casket and you know, crying. I'm just like, oh my God, we're doing this again. So did you get any backlash from any of your family or friends? Like, did you fall out with anybody for making, creating those boundaries for yourself? Was anybody like, I can't believe you didn't come? Absolutely. And the one thing that I have held on to the hardest is that my mama ain't here and I don't give a fuck what none of y'all say no more. There it is. That the one person that I really cared about their feelings and thoughts ain't here no more. So I'd be damned yeah. if I give a shit about yours. Yeah. So it just is what's going to be. Sorry to you. Sorry to this man. Sorry to that man. I think there's another question also. Did you see it? Uh, No, hold on. Okay, I see it. Oh, this is actually from my son. DJ AK47, what's one thing that gets you through the hard times? Um, one thing that gets me through the hard times is talking to people that knew my mom. And just finding out new things about her that I didn't know, you know, mm. or hearing stories about things that included me when I was too little to kind of remember it. So that definitely helps me get through some tough times. And sometimes just crying actually helps yeah. me get through it. Just letting it out, feeling whatever that is, and like going through that moment of grief and just doing that. You know, it's out of, I don't always have time to do it right at the moment when it happens, but I always allow myself to kind of let that out. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you sparked an idea in me. Uh, my son 
is, like I said, is in here and he's uh, 26, I think, if I remember. But I am going to be diligent and tell him more stories about him and his Definitely. Definitely let your children get to know you yeah. outside of that mom bubble. I, I yeah. mean, it's important, you know, like, because I think that if we knew more of their background and more of their story, we would have more <laughs> compassion for them and we wouldn't be so mad at them. Mm. Because when you know more information, stuff just makes more sense. Oh, this happened to you when you were little. So now I see why you were doing this or this happened to you when you were small. So now I see why you acted like this because growing up, I was like, Oh my God, this lady is just mean. What is wrong with you? Why are you so mad? But once I started to figure out what it really was and how the childhood was, it's like, all right, well, you're expecting somebody to hug and kiss and hold your hand and be warm and fuzzy when her mom didn't do that. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Her mom she didn't was have just, the tools, didn't know how to do it. No, she was like, I have three children. You know, you guys go to Catholic school. And back then that was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Middle class was a big deal. All of this stuff. And she was just making sure that they look good. Their hair was done and they were clean and fed. And that was pretty much it. So that lady didn't really know what to do with all of that. And I feel like naturally I came here with a very loving, kind spirit. I like to laugh. I want to. I, I used to like to hug and be up under you when I was little, but just through, you know, the way that I was nurtured or lack thereof, I just kind of got conditioned to self-soothe. So when you are a child that learns how to self-soothe and you don't need all of that, you become detached as an adult. And so my mom was detached as an adult. Not that she didn't love me. She just didn't know how that was going to affect me. And she didn't know how it was affecting her because the, the knowledge was just not there. So what, I'm going to be mad? The lady didn't know. Yeah. Why are you walking around? All the time. We, we are the first generation who had these type of tools, like the internet and, you know, therapy. Like we, as much as I am, even with my dad, and that's a, that we're going to have to do another podcast. About the daddies? Yeah, that's because, because we are all... <laughs> Cause we are also in aligned in, 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 in that lane as well. So we, we don't come back for a part two, but realizing that my parents were human and also human and didn't have the same resources that I had. There was some grace, said, Woo, child. <laughs> <laughs> there was some grace that I had to give. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there, there's just some grace that had to be given because they just didn't have the things that we had, you know? And they um, didn't realize the impact. Yeah. No, well, first of all, no one realizes the 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 like intent over impact is a complete psychological study, and no one really talks about it enough. Like, it doesn't matter how good your intent is, if the impact is greater, there is just so much damage done, and sometimes it's hard to undo. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and I also um, think like when people pass right. away, you know what we do? We now they just become this perf perfect being and we don't talk about the hard stuff. So it's like, stay away from saying bad stuff because they died. So now you only have to say, and and you can only say the good stuff. And she was this and she was that. And she was, my mom was a lot of things and they were not all good. Some stuff she dropped the ball on, but it's okay. It's not like a bad thing to be able to say. I think even people just have a hard time. You know, they'll say something bad about their parent. 
oh, she does this and that, but she did the best she can, but it doesn't make it she okay did. that she, she didn't. Did, but I'm still scarred. <laughs> and this will happen. And that's okay. Yeah. And you don't have to make an excuse for it. It just is. It just is. Like the lady made some mistakes. It just is. It's it just okay. Is. It's and okay. I don't I don't think that, you know, also with being duped, like we just go into this sanctified sainthood of the person that died. And now all of a sudden it's like because they passed away, all the transgressions are gone. So you don't get to have a feeling about some of the stuff that happened. And mm -hmm. I had to learn through therapy that I very much do get to feel stuff. And if she did something wrong, she just did something wrong. And that's it. And it's okay. It. And it's okay. Because we're human. Listen, ma'am. So yeah. <laughs> it's so much. It's so much. I could talk to you all day, but we're going to wrap this up soon. But DJ Sunny Day asks, I do not go to funerals. So how do you have that conversation with your close relatives about not participating in those arrangements or services? You know, what I will say is that some people are just not going to understand my decisions. And that's that. And I have to be, as I get older and create these boundaries and, I, and and not even just creating them, but holding my family and my community accountable, I have to be okay that some people are not gonna understand it. They're not gonna like it. They're gonna keep overstepping the boundary. I'm gonna have to repeat myself. That is just what comes with holding boundaries. But if you are aware of your core values, if you're aware of what makes you tick, what you're gonna do, what you're not gonna do, boundaries are insanely important to your oh mental Oh my God, so important. important. I literally have the same dynamic that my mother had with her two sisters. I have that same dynamic with them and has carried over, mm. okay? So out of the three of them, she was like the odd one out that they were like, mm. Her attitude, this, that, and the third. And they, unbeknownst to them, treat me like that because I'm her child. We look a lot alike. They think I act like her. So it's the same dynamic. So you do have to put up boundaries. And I was like, okay, well, the thing is, is that I'm my, my own person. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times your family doesn't want to let go of the old person that you were. They just cannot do it. So those ladies, bless their hearts, I love them, but they handle me like I'm still 10, 12, 15, 18, 21. I'm not the same person. You don't have to handle me in that way. You don't have to expect me to blow up or fly off the handle, but I am going to say how I feel. And that's the difference between my mom and I. She would let stuff pile up and then just blow up. I'm just going to let's talk through it. Like if you can't talk through stuff with your family and say how you really feel, then who can you talk through stuff with? Like, come on now. But our families, we're not having this type of communication. It doesn't feel good. It feels weird. Like, why can't you just pretend like everything is fine? Because I don't want to do that. Because it's not. So if that means that the boundary has to go up because that's the way that you want to be and do then it has to go up. And I just pray that we will find our way back to each other. But I can't continue to do this with you. Listen, I could talk to you all day, um, but we're not. <laughs> we're going to go and get out of here. We're going to go and get out of here because we got things to do and all that kind of good stuff. But thank you so much for opening up your heart to our Twitch community and sharing a little piece of you outside of the spins 
that we do on is it too is it still monday okay <laughs> thank you so much um for sharing with us tell the peoples where they can find you at hey peeps um you can find me on instagram everywhere website all the stuff at the real dj ak47 twitch and all of those goings ons Awesome. Thank you again so much. Thank I love you so you much so for having me. You are kind of amazing. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I'm only following suit. I, I attract amazing people. So I, I am. And I'm a little skeptical of meeting new friends in your older years, but you are lit. Like, I was like, oh my God, I got a new friend. Oh my God. It's lit. ASMR nails. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for joining Thank you. us. Please be sure to follow The Real DJ AK47 if you have not already. I feel like there's probably like two people that haven't pushed that button. Like, y'all are following her already. Come on now. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so incredibly grateful for our community. Thank you for leaning into these hard conversations with me. And a special thanks to those of you who are faithfully listening and supporting the podcast. I really appreciate you. I hope that you enjoyed and loved this episode. If you did, please do me a favor and submit your review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to me today. Also, I kind of think you like me, like we go together or something. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new episodes each and every Sunday. And I want to encourage you to share this episode on IG stories, Twitter, Facebook, just do your girl a favor and share it so that we can keep the conversation going. And when you do share it, make sure you tag me. I am at Ty Alexander and at Self-Care IRL. Again, thank you so much for listening to me today. And until next time, toodles.